The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Table Talk. So we are here to talk about making the most out of hospitality. But before we do that, let's uh, let's start with one of our reviews. So we, we've got a, a fresh one to share. Dave, I believe you have it to share. Yeah, yeah. So this is from SimJack53. So I, I'm not sure what we're going to nickname this person, but we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, the guys at Oz Table Talk discuss relevant topics that are applicable and challenging. Their talks are Bible-based as well which is grounding. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Sim Jack. What are we going to call him? Simo? So, yeah, de- that's definitely Aussie. Uh, yeah. Yep. Thanks for that, Simo. <laughs> and the great thing about that is it could be Simon or Simone and Simo would still work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a cool um, review. Thanks for that. Um, I like the fact that they, they say what we're doing is relevant because that's what we're aiming at. Yeah. We're not having these conversations to talk to ourselves. We, we want it to be relevant to everybody else as well. And yeah, good that it's challenging as well. Definitely. Yeah, we, we, that's our tagline, right? We want to have the conversations that we don't have at church. So if they're not challenging, there's a problem. Yes. Exactly. All right. So um, from the Humans of Adventism conversation starter card deck, we have uh, another question to start our, our discussion today, which is, if you had a sign taped to your back at all times, what would you want it to say? That's a mm. hard question. I feel it like there's a, a lot of things question. I want to say. <laughs> yeah. How big is your sign going to be, Luke? Or how big is the, pr- the font going to be? Yeah, I was going to say, can I write in small font? Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, think I, I might just have something like, introvert, please forgive me. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't know. I might uh, like. There's a couple of things that sort of spring to mind. So w- one would be, you know, <laughs> Christian loading. Please wait, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know we're not perfect, and often we hold each other to the standard of perfection, and mm. uh, it's probably good to remind each other of that. So um, trust you to have a disclaimer. Shut <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had I had that conversation with my wife earlier today. I said, "Oh, we should." Like, it was a, a text message, and I'm like, "Oh, we should like rewrite it to say this." And she looked at me and she goes, "You know, you shouldn't feel the need to do that." I, I'm like, "It is it is what I feel the need to do." <laughs> like, it's a, it's, a, it's a disclaimer. I need to do that. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I think I'm going to go with. I think I'm going to go with you know, like Christian loading. Please wait. Yeah, it, it's certainly tough to think about because it's something that's fairly permanent. I definitely agree with the um, Christian point of because that usually starts a lot of conversations. The reason why I have so many of those um, those Christian quote um, t-shirts because I I take that literally. Yeah. But apart from that, it, it's it's a hard one to actually pick exactly what you want other than I'm a Christian on there. Actually, I have something else that I would put on mine. Yeah. Um, I would have some something that indicates that like I am open to conversation that I want to talk to people so like you know intelligent conversation here or something something like that <laughs> because like one of the things like as I'm walking around town like obviously if I'm in a hurry I'm in a hurry but 
if I'm not in a in a blinding rush, like my default setting is I want to talk to people and I, I feel like that is socially weird to just like just talk to people as you're walking past them. So uh, you stop nodding, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking and it's so- funny that you want a sign that says talk to me, whereas I want a sign that says forgive me for not talking to you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh- all depends there you go. on the mood for me, but actually, this is why we're mind, friends. Yeah, this is why we're friends. That's it. So, what were you saying, Ben? With that in mind, um, perhaps Christian atheists ask me how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's clever. I like that. Yep. I'm thinking about that conversation that Asherick um, preached on a while back. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Cool. All right. All right so. Boys. Yeah, let's we've got, get to... we've got our signs sorted, so let's uh, let's move on. Um, right. We wanted to talk about uh, hospitality, and before we do, I just wanted to ask you: um, we're obviously doing this uh, via Skype at the moment. Uh, how's hospitality going for you guys at the moment in the coronavirus pandemic? <laughs> it depends how you define hospitality. <laughs> yeah. What what means have you been using to combat the social isolation and its effects on hospitality? Well, to be honest, sorry, you go, Ben. Well, for me, in my personal life, um, I'm allowed to move around a little bit, visiting my fiance. But apart from that, work. At the moment, we're we're in the middle of an audit, so some of us actually get to meet dozens upon dozens of people just at a slight distance every day. So. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not really hospitality, is it? <laughs> I was going to say, do you really count that as hospitality? <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm not completely isolated, but yeah, it, it just, it lacks hospitality at all. <laughs> and I'm missing uh, that. I'm missing that big time. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're pretty connected in our world today, right? So we still talk to people via social media and stuff like that. Even, you know, mediums like this Skype. And for me, I see a lot of people on Zoom each day. So it's okay, you know, like we're not completely isolated, even though we are. But I think the thing that is really apparent to me is that that doesn't make up for face-to-face contact. Um, Like there's just something about being with your brothers uh, and, Mm. you know, hanging out and and being in the same room and, you know, like we were saying a while back when we were talking about how we were going to go doing this via Skype, uh, it's not the same because we, we don't have those, you know, visual cues and the, you know, slapping each other or the punching each other or, you know, whatever it happens to be while we're having our conversations. And so I, I miss all of that, you know, the real, the real life dynamic of conversations. So, yeah, that to me just speaks to how important hospitality really is, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I think, you know, just right from the outset, I think it's good for us to, to mention that we often think of hospitality as relating to food. You know, we think of it almost like catering, uh, but catering and hospitality are really not the same thing. Hospitality is far broader than that. So how, how would you guys define hospitality from a biblical perspective? I think that, uh, I think food is a part of it, but I agree yeah. it's not the, it's not exclusively it, you know, and I would say that hospitality is the art of making one welcome. Mm. Okay, I like that. It's a good definition. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, and I think there's like you know many ways that we do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I suppose being hospitable, like for example, if you're doing that in your home, that involves you know a bunch of different things that do what you just said. You know, making the other person feel welcome, or I suppose you could say hospitality is about you know. Uh, establishing connection, like real connection, 
with mm. the people around you. And so when it comes to, to making the most of hospitality as a Christian, um, how do you feel uh, we could uh, be intentional as Christians about using hospitality as a form of evangelism? I think we undervalue, like this is one of the things that I, I'd say, you know, at our church anyway, we have church lunches, right? I think we greatly underestimate the power of a church lunch. We, we tend to think, you know, oh, we're going we're gonna to evangelize the world. You know, we're going to go and we're going to bring people in and they're going to hear, you know, hear the sermon and that's going to convert them. And to be perfectly honest, I think if we shifted that, that viewpoint and we said, you know what, let's just get as many people sitting around a table and having a laugh together as possible, I think we would probably have higher rates of people joining the church. Right. So, definitely, I I would agree. I I would say that more people have been converted around the luncheon table than the sermon itself. I mean, the sermon's a good point, Mm -hmm. but I think it's that connection and the conversations we have around food that um, make people stay. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting that you use the word um, laughter, um, or you could mm-hmm. you could also say synonymous to fun, you know, yeah. in the context of evangelism, Luke. Mm. Um, yep. Because I think sometimes we don't think of evangelism as having anything directly correlating to laughter or fun. You know, we think of evangelism as a very somber, serious work, and you know, definitely it is. You know, there's people's souls at stake, so we we don't want to take away from that, yeah. but. I think evangelism as a ho- looked at as a holistic um, method, not just as a <clears throat> converting somebody to a, a form of doctrine, is, is all about establishing relationships. And if, you're in a, if you have a relationship, a friendship or a, a closer relationship than that uh, with somebody and there's not laughter and fun, um, there's probably something wrong in that relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. So it, it, I would almost go as far to say, and I haven't thought this through, so you know, feel free to shoot me down, but um, I would almost go as far to say then that that seems to make sense that if our evangelism does not include some forms of laughter and fun, that we need to question the value of that evangelism or you know, the, the effectiveness of that evangelism. Yeah. I and that think feels heavy to say that to me, just, just saying. Yeah. I think that's why, uh, you know, evangelistic series and we've all we've all been a part of it right you know evangelistic series where there's uh you know the certain the um sorry you know series happening and you only have a few people from church show up and a bunch of people from the community and no one stays afterwards why like you know after the whole program you know all that effort and it all goes to nothing why because they didn't make any friends they've got Mm. zero reasons to continue because they've now been convinced they have the truth why would they want to keep attending church? You know, like, I mean, sure, they may want to, but, you know, they've already got the important thing, so, you know, what reason would they have to stay if it's not interpersonal? Yeah. I think it was said, uh, I think it, who, who was it? I think it was Simon Sinek. I think he said it uh, in a very succinct way, which I don't even know if he was quoting someone else, but uh, he, he stated, in this generation, people don't believe, don't belong because they believe, they believe because they belong. Hmm. It's funny, I just wrote that down. Hey? I had just written that down, so it's interesting you say that. There you go, there you go. But I think that is what it boils down to. And Mm. it sounds bad, right? Because, I mean, especially in our particular denomination, we have a very high value placed on intellectual truth, 
right? You know, mm-hmm. where what we believe is provable, observable, it is clear from the Bible, you know, all of those things which we hold in high regard, we would typically say that, uh, oh, no, 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 we belong because we believe. You know, we yeah. believe these things and so therefore we belong. Um, as, as great as that sounds, that's not what the evidence says. The evidence says that if people don't feel like they belong, they're not going to stick around. Yeah. And the most, and you know, I don't know about you guys, but if I think about the people that I have observed access the the church, you know, that to change their viewpoint, it, it in every case that I can think of, there, there may be like an outlier, but typically every case that I can think of, it started with friendship. It started with them taking part in the fellowship, not them coming in because they believed the message and they were looking for the fellowship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I've written down a bunch of words that I associate with hospitality and they kind of are grouped into three categories, right? So you've, mm-hmm. got, you've got words that are associated with an activity, um, mm-hmm. so things that you do which are hospitable uh, or, or even just give a sense of hospitality. And then there's things that you be to be hospitable and then there's the experience of hospitality, um, what that feels like to be part of something where hospitality is, is what's going on. And I think it's really interesting that that it is broken down into those sorts of levels because, you know, you've mentioned several words. You've mentioned friendship, for example. You've mentioned belonging. I've written down community. I've written down connection. I've written down family. And like, if you have a if you have a place, and I'm going to use you as as an example for this, Luke. If you have a place where you can go, where you feel like you're just part of the family, there's there's a true sense of belonging there, so that hospitality isn't really happening on the doing level like it is but it isn't um so like for example when i walk into your house sometimes i don't even announce myself i just open the door because i know you've left it open for me i'll walk into the house right you know the first thing that we will we will do when i come over is you know you know obviously we'll give each other a hug or whatever but it's like you know whatever you're doing i'm going to do it with you you know, if you're cooking in the kitchen, I'm going to come and cook in the kitchen with you. Or if Seth's playing in the lounge room, I'm going to play in the lounge room with Seth. You know, or I might walk into the house and I've got some groceries that I just need to shove in the fridge. I don't come and ask you, hey, Luke, can I use your fridge? I just know I can use your fridge. And so I go and shove the groceries in your fridge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that happens because the, the hospitality that was, um, that was offered early on in the piece built a sense of connection of brotherhood, of family, of belonging, of community, to the point now where, you know, I, I come into your house as though I was coming into my own brother's house. And yeah. I, you, you said, Ben, that you feel like more conversions have happened at the luncheon than in the mm-hmm. sermon. Um, I think, I think it's, it's that kind of uh, bond that people are looking for, the kind of bond that, you know, we all experience together, you know, that we, we all just feel comfortable to just, you know, come on over and make ourselves at home with each other's at each other's places and in each other's environments and stuff and there's like no questions asked you know like if if you're you're having a busy day and your house is a mess i don't walk in and go luke man you need to clean up your house like i either get in and clean it up for you or i just move on like it doesn't matter (laughs) you know like nothing matters um because what's been built is is bigger than that you know the hospitality has built something bigger than you know all of the little stuff that could we could get caught up in and i just think that speaks so strongly you know you get to the book of acts for example and the new testament is modeled on jesus ministry right the way they do church is modeled on what jesus did what did jesus do you know there's people there that are hungry so he feeds them 
Um, yeah. And so what did the, the church do in the book of Acts? Oh, come over. Oh, and if you're going to come over, we may as well eat together, right? You're going to be here. You're going to get hungry, especially yeah. if Paul's preaching midnight sermons. Um, you know, like there, there was just this in, environment of, of home. And I think yes. hospitality and home are kind of synonymous in my head. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. You know, I was... <laughs> It's funny, like since this whole uh, coronavirus thing, you know, you, you were mentioning, you were asking before, you know, how, how this has impacted hospitality. And what sprang to mind for me was the fact that one of the big changes that I noticed was how much, how much we don't go through food. Like, you know, since, it's, <laughs> since it stopped, I, I was saying to Sarah, like, we've still got so much food and we haven't shopped in ages. Like, you know, what happened? And then I counted up like the amount of extra serves of food in a week that we would cook, you know. And so when you factor in, you know, taking extra for church lunches, uh, you know, uh, you know, when you, Dave, when you come over on Tuesdays for elders meeting um, on, you know, when we would have table talk, you know, if, if everybody comes, you know, there's there's five of us doing the recording, you know, but plus spouses and kids. And, what, and it's a, there's like an extra 20 serves of food that I typically cook per week. And now I'm not cooking that. And like my food is lasting forever. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea how much food, like how, how often that we were sharing meals with people, you know, and that's. That actually made me feel really happy because like it was like, man, well, we're doing life together with others. And that is, yeah. that's hospitality, I think, you know, or at least an element of that. Or no, it's an environment in which hospitality can occur. And I think that that's what I went out to create. Well, that's when Sarah and I got married. That was an environment we intended to create. And mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that to a degree we've been able to do that. And I'm looking, I'm really excited about post-coronavirus life because I'm looking forward to doing that and more in you know as we go forward you know? yeah yeah it's definitely been on my mind the last couple of weeks especially if they're they're talking potentially next um next month winding things back a little bit of having people around for dinner and um and a board game night because I just that's the one thing I do love about um hospitality and entertaining people is you have dinner with them but you also do an activity with them it's mm. that combination that just seems to build bonds with people. Just yeah. food, activity, and yeah, I, I'm just I'm thinking through um, what I can do and how I can get all you guys around, and it's I'm just absolutely looking forward to it because I think it, it, it's in a way it's been good for us to actually step back because we can reflect on our lives a little bit and say, well, this is important for us, and how can I actually enrich my life by doubling down and doing potentially this a little bit more I know I'd love to do it more in my life mm. yeah I think there's a couple of things I mean Dave you were mentioning the book of Acts and, and I think that is that's probably easily the, the most obvious expression of hospitality in scripture mm-hmm. but um, two things have been sticking out in my mind and I haven't mentioned them as yet but they just keep circling around in my head so I'm just going to go there two things one is that, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember where the text is, but it says that, uh, you know, we should never neglect to entertain strangers, for in so doing you may have entertained angels. Hebrews 13. He- Hebrews, thank you. Um, mm. You know, and that that is a really interesting concept all by itself, but when, you know, you think back to the Old Testament, you think of uh, Abraham, right? Mm. And I, I, I turned it up before, uh, in, Abra- in Abraham. Genesis, <laughs> the book, in the book of Abraham in the seventh chapter, <laughs> the uh, Genesis. Uh, Your narrator's Genesis. voice is very low, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. I think 
Uh, I, I actually entered a Zoom call the other day with a bunch of people that I didn't know, and uh, the, as soon as I started talking, they were, everyone just paused, and it was like, wow, do you work in radio? <laughs> like, no, I just have a big microphone because I have a podcast, so leave me alone. <laughs> uh, okay, so, did, you, did you find uh, the Book of the, Abraham yet? Yeah, I found the Book of Abraham. Um <laughs> But yeah, we're uh, talking about uh, Sodom's depravity, and it says the it talks about the two angels that come down to uh, inspect to see what is uh, you know if the reports are true, so to speak. And they first go to Abraham, and the experience that they have where they they, they go there. I'm just looking. I'm looking for it. See, it's chapter 18. Um, I should have found it before. Just bear with me for a second, guys. First um, four. Okay, I was looking too late in the chapter. Thank you. Yeah, so they they are there. Um, verse, uh, actually no, actually even before that, it's, it's actually the beginning. I think it says, um, "Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mama, and they were sitting there at the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when when he saw them, he ran from his tent door to meet them." bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be bought and wash your feet and and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant, uh, they said, do uh, do as you have said. And so it goes on and and he has this experience with them. But uh, it turns out when you read this, as the story progresses, and we've spoken about this in an episode a long time ago now, but it turns out that this is Jesus that has, mm-hmm. has come, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that is there and speaking to Abraham as a as a friend and revealing to him what he plans to do. And um, in the context of this, it goes on to Abraham um, pleading for, for Sodom that there might be, you know, if there be enough righteous people found that they wouldn't uh, execute judgment on the city. So, but the whole interesting thing that I find is that when uh, Abraham sees them, there's no indication that he knows exactly who it is, but it seems that he has some indication that the this is uh, a, a personage of importance because of the, the fact he runs and bows to them. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing that I find anyway is that his default setting is hospitality. He doesn't go to them and say, oh, so where are you going? Or, you know, he's he's not there to shoot the breeze. He's there because he wants to serve them. And I think that's one of the core elements of hospitality. It's a service mindset. Just like when, and he talks about, uh, you know, come let some water be bought so you can, you know, so we can wash your feet. Uh, also reminds me of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It's that servant mindset. And I, I think that hospitality done right is always done from a position of humility. Mm. Mm. You also um, mentioned in the passage there that Abraham took him took them to his home. Yes. Um, and I was saying before that I feel evangelism is synonymous with home, like the experience of home, uh, yeah. which made me think, you know, if, if we do actually believe that, uh, maybe one way that we could measure our evangelistic success as people, as individuals, um, as families would be how many times do we have people who are not of our denomination or of our fellowship in our home? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and maybe that would be one way we could measure the, our effectiveness of, of making disciples because if people aren't ending up in our homes, it's highly likely that we're not taking responsibility for them as disciples um, because we're, we're just doing it in a, uh, a more formal setting like a church, for example. 
And so then if we follow that reasoning through, it, it would also make sense that if evangelism was synonymous with home, then church would be a collection of those disciples. So a church would really just be a collection of, of different homes, right? A collection yes. of families so that we have our our belonging in our small group communities of some fashion, whether that be, you know, people like ourselves who, who just love hanging out together. And so we've formed like this bond uh, over, you know, whatever friendship or whether that be small groups that are more formal where, you know, you're getting together to, to eat and to pray and to have Bible study, whatever fashion, but, but done in the home. And then when you get to church, it's really just, you know, the collective family of all of these sort of smaller families, the subdivisions, if you like, of, of our yes. um, family. And, and yeah, that then be- makes church a more meaningful experience. I actually think that is so much more appealing so much more effective, you know. I was listening to a uh, a guy. He's a, a grew up in Pentecostal church or in a Pentecostal church in um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was South Australia somewhere. But uh, he was talking about how even though he left the church when he when he got older and you know questioned his faith and left for a time and all the rest, he said he still at all times valued the community that it built. And, you know, saw that as something that was truly valuable. And I thought, that really says something. For someone who gets to the place where they no longer believe, but they consider the relationships that were built in the context to be of uh, standalone value. You know, I think all churches should strive to be a church that even atheists want to hang out at. (laughs) That's so powerful. I'm down for that. And... As you were saying, Dave, our homes definitely um, play a part of that. I mean, if you think about who you actually invite into your home, it's usually somebody you've you're either got a connection with or creating a connection with. I mean, yeah. it's not very often that you invite somebody in your home and you don't create some sort of connection with that um, with that yeah. person. They also well, that's get a, the inner um, sanctum, right? Yeah, exactly, and. As they look around your um, home, it also creates a lovely um, amount of talking points, and they get to know you a lot more as well. It's yep. it could be your opportunity to actually introduce them if they haven't worked out you're a Christian yet. If they look around your home, there's a good chance they're going to know um, after that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's real. That's what you're saying, eh? It's it's real. Yeah. When when you're in somebody's home, there's no questioning whether this friendship is you know superficial or not. It's like yeah, no, we're doing this it's, for real. Yeah, yeah, it's it's far more tangible. I mean, it's often a good reflection of what somebody finds important or the people they find important is the time that they invest in somebody and taking that, not only that time, but inviting somebody into what is essentially your personal space really does help to build trust between people. And yeah. trust is what all relationships are built on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I just want to say about that, like, you know, that being real thing, it could be that some people are listening to this and they're thinking, oh, well, that's you know, all well and good for you people who have a home to take people to. Uh, you know, I live with my parents or I live with somebody else or, you know, we, there's sometimes constraints that don't allow you to do this. And I was in a situation like that not, not too long ago and um, there was these, uh, this couple from church that I wanted to, um, yes, give them a sense of belonging. And so because I didn't have a place to bring them and you don't obviously start off by saying, hey, can I come to your home? Um, I said to them, hey, let's have a picnic. 
you know, let's go somewhere, let's have a picnic, I'll make the food, you know, but let's just go hang out one, one um, Sabbath uh, lunch. And um, that was the beginning of a, a fantastic friendship with them. And that was done at a time when I didn't have a home to, to bring people to. So, yeah, just because you might not have a place to call home uh, or somewhere where you feel is suitable to bring people, that doesn't mean you, you can't be hospitable. There, there are other ways. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. So question, guys. That is valuable. Um, yeah. If you're happy to sort of head towards wrapping this up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I was, I was just going to ask, what are you most looking forward to uh, when, when the virus is over? What's the, the top of the list for you guys? Top two or three things. Family lunch and dinner with, the, um, with you boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm mirroring that. Like, I, I, am, I am really keen to re- reconnect with everyone. But definitely, like, in my weekly schedule, uh, you know, the, the main things that were displaced was church and, uh, you know, our, our weekly uh, meal and, and recording together. Mm-hmm. And so I am, I am keen as to, to recreate that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook some good food for you guys and um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get together. But I think that, that is like um, just obviously because, you know, we're, we're really close and so we're keen to get back together. But in bigger picture... Um, speaking of this in the in the bigger context of hospitality and evangelism and you know all the different ways that we've been uh, ex- can you just hold that thought for a second yeah yeah because that's my next question so just ho- hold that for a second <laughs> <laughs> right right right, right. <laughs> give I'm me a chance sorry. to say my two babe <laughs> yeah, terribly sorry I read your mind I'll let, I'll let you do your thing uh, it's, all, it's all good. I just wanted to say uh, I, I definitely agree with that. The two things I'm most looking forward to is sitting around a table and eating with friends and just having a great time, laughing, having fun. That's that's one thing. And the, the second thing, um, you know, just maybe sounds weird to other people, but, but just going for walks with my friends. Um, that's something that's really high up on the list for me. I just love going for a, a walk and just chatting, just chilling together sort of thing. So really looking forward to that, uh, doing that again because it's not the same when you're walking on your own. Yeah. So, yeah. so now, Luke. The next question is, <laughs> um, what what is going to change because of coronavirus, um, and what how it's made us reflect upon our lives, like Ben was talking about before, and and maybe ways in which we could have been taking advantage more so of this idea of hospitality. What's going to change for you post COVID nineteen? For me, I think probably the the main thing that's going to change is that. I recognize that while I feed a lot of people every week, the ratio of people that I feed that are not um, of my religious persuasion is very, very low. And uh, I think that that is probably the the first and the first significant change. Obviously, I'm going to reconnect with all you guys and church and all the rest of it, but I want to start going out of my way to connect with people who are either on the fringes of faith or who see the world completely different to me, like, you know, 100% out, out of the box. So, um, yeah, e- either way, I, I want to broaden the kinds of people that visit my table. Yeah, I like that. How about you, Ben? Anything jump to mind? Well, I think get a little bit more into hospitality because I was starting to do that a little bit more at the beginning of the year, just with um, direct family. <laughs> Then coronavirus had to come and mess that up for you. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I was going to um, start inviting, um, you know, closer friends around and then just expand out from there. And I just want to double down on that the moment that this mm. is all off. It's just, yeah. I'm looking forward to just doubling down and having a lot more people over for dinner. Um, 
board games and everything. I mean, we got Goyi now to um, really um, double down on that on Sabbath as well. See how fast we can get through the evangelism of the world. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I think um, I don't know how this is going to play out in practical terms yet because I haven't thought that far. But for me, one thing I've noticed as a result of the reflection that coronavirus has, has brought on is that um, as a church, we have lot, we do lots of talk about evangelism, uh, but we don't actually do a lot when it comes to evangelism. And there are many reasons for that, and some of them are actually really legitimate. So I'm not taking away from that at all by saying this. But um, when you can't do it in the standard means, you start thinking outside the box. And that's what this opportunity of being socially isolated has, has done for me, and, and I know some others. It's helped us to think, well, how, how can we be still reaching out to people even though we can't see them face-to-face? And so once we can actually be uh, you know, face-to-face with people again, I think this opportunity hopefully will awaken us a little bit to the to the need for hospitality on a ministry sense, you know, to, like you said, Luke, to be inviting people around for a meal who you wouldn't normally have invited around or to be connecting with people you wouldn't normally be connecting with. You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And I feel like I've been waiting and making disciples when he sends them to me um, rather than going out and finding them. Um, and so... Yeah, as I say, I'm not sure how that'll practically work out. Probably for me, it'll be centered around my uni life. Um, but in whatever way that is going to be, I really want to, yeah, um, to take up the, the what do you call it? I've got a loss for words right now. Anyway, the, I want to... The wanna, mantle, the responsibility. Yeah, the, yeah, the something like that. Something like that. None of the words that I was looking for, but they work. Um, yeah, and, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, like... Mm-hmm. It's it's been really, um, for me at least, really awakening as to how little I was doing that beforehand. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good spot for us to leave it. Um, look, guys, if you have any thoughts on the topic, please let us know. Um, let us know in the comments, social media, etc. We would love to hear from you. We look forward to catching you guys next week, and we will see you then. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list so I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that if you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us so if you want to help us reach those goals please jump in and give us a review the final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our patreon account now Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating and ultimately what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast and so if you'd like to help us do that jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards but at different levels there are different benefits different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours if you can't afford that 
we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.